time now to dig between the headlines where we find those hidden nuggets that don't often get the attention they deserve, but very much should, because they directly impact you. And digging for those, Tom Korski, managing editor over at Black Locks Reporting. And a couple of big headlines here, Tom. Um, the WHO, which apparently was kind of rewriting quietly earlier information about what they knew when about the pandemic, you know, they were... And it created the confusion that we kind of deal with now. What's interesting, Alex, is there's an obscure agency called the Canadian Institutes of Health Research, and they actually funded a study of exactly that point. What was going on over there? Mm -hmm. Because it really mattered. Because Canadian officials, it was all science, they said. It was all doctor science, and they were going to take their scientific direction from the World Health Organization. And what did researchers at the University of Ottawa and Sherbrooke find? That exactly that occurred. And as they put it, it's diff- quote-unquote difficult to distinguish WHO recommendations based on science and expertise versus political recommendations. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a hell of an indictment. We're in the middle of a pandemic, 9,000 fatalities to date. Canada has a higher death rate than the United States, a terrible recession. And you're saying that we got into this spot by taking advice from somebody who didn't want to hurt the feelings of the People's Republic of China. That's mm-hmm. a big problem. Well, it is a big problem, and we just made a massive donation, $850 million given to the WHO right around the time that Trump said, hey, we're cutting you guys off, and everyone was outraged. But when you actually look at the politics of this thing, I mean, here you had the WHO glowing and talking about China. They were doing everything right when the whole rest of the world knew that they were lying. And epidemiologists that we were speaking to, Tom, way back before it was even declared a pandemic, were saying, oh, no, no, we're already in a pandemic. So by the time the WHO came out about three weeks later, it was really too late for, for you know, North America, certainly in other countries, uh, to act in time to stop it. And so I think a lot of people say, well, why do we still support this? Yes, we need a governing body in the world, but clearly this organization is either tainted, too political, or they need a, a, a an enema bottom uh, and restructuring. Or maybe we could just stop taking their calls, Alex. I mean, the, the WHO argued, for instance, you know, mm-hmm. against the travel ban. Yes. Because it would disrupt trade with the People's Republic. That was exactly what countries like Taiwan did. It slapped in a travel ban. And to this day, Taiwan has not had the kind of recession that we've had in Canada. You know, uh, Canada's man at the World Health Organization, his name is Bruce Alward. He's mm-hmm. an epidemiologist. He was head of the WHO mission to China. He came back, made some really unfortunate remarks about China uh, in admiration. They're on it. You have to admire their spirit. It was almost dog-like. You know who Bruce Alward won't talk to? The Commons Health (laughs) Committee. They've asked him twice to testify, and he told them to to drop dead. They had to issue a summons. They still haven't had him show up by video conference to take some basic questions about what was going on. 
Yeah. And the bottom line is, if we can't trust this organization, then no, we should not be a part of it because it has been far, far too costly. Um, you know, and this is an organization, again, that won't acknowledge Taiwan, uh, certainly plays to China. Uh, and I think we are all fools, um, you know, for being so naive to, to believe it. And, and, and as you know, Tom, our government is still taking their medical expertise as just that. that that's what bothers me is it's questionable and not being question. The other headline that caught my eye is this advisory board. So this is a board that decides who gets the money from that 600 million odd dollars for journalism, which we at our company, we don't get any of that, thank goodness. But when you look at who's on this advisory board, um, picking the winners and losers of this thing, I mean, you've got one uh, professor, uh, I guess a former cabinet advisor to the Liberal Party, you know, obvious hate for Stephen Harper. You've got others that openly call conservatives bullies and that we need Justin Trudeau to silence the bullies. I mean, the advisors that they have chosen, including one who worked for Stefan Dion before he was found guilty of tax evasion, where do they find these people? Well, they either vetted them very poorly if you get my meaning, the problem was they yeah. called it the independent advisory panel. It was the word independent that really threw us because, you know, that <laughs> I know how to use a dictionary, too. One of those panels. So the, the panelists will vet all the applications by newspaper publishers who want a part of this $595 million bailout. That's taxpayers' money. Mm-hmm. One of the panelists uh, is a woman by the name of Margot Goodhead, used to be an editor of the Winnipeg Free Press. Really unfortunate commentary she wrote in 2013. The headline was, We Need Justin. And Ms. Goodhand wrote that, I wish him well, referring to Justin Trudeau, and told her readers, quote, Trudeau has the power and the momentum right now to show us the way. So Margot Goodhand has an opinion. Well, join the club. 38 million Canadians have opinions. I have some myself. But we're not on the independent panel to decide who gets life-saving welfare for uh, newspaper publishers. What these people, there was, a, you mentioned the professor from Carleton. Professor Kareem, journalism professor, he in published tweets, he felt an emotional investment in telling the world that it was his opinion that Stephen Harper played the politics of hate and that the National Post, largest newspaper chain in the country, has a record of uh, own editorial content. That is news coverage, he said. Didn't say that about the Toronto Star, didn't say that about Brunswick News. It was the National Post that he didn't like. Guess who's on the quote-unquote independent panel? Are you kidding me? Yeah. Yeah, and this is the very stuff that uh, the fund itself already undermines journalism. It does and has done enough damage. But when you read this kind of stuff, it is obviously that they stack this board of very liberal, friendly people where they can, you know, figure out who to give the money to as long as they say very nice things about the, the liberal government in charge. It, it's, it's not just troubling. It's very damaging. I think there is a contract in newspapering that you have with your readers, that you're an honest broker. They know you have opinions, and you know they have opinions of their own. You just have to be an honest broker. We've never subscribed Mm -hmm. or will never solicit, neither accept uh, federal government grants. For exactly that reason, if if people think we're partisan or incompetent, they'll know we come by it honestly, and we're not bought and paid for. How does it work, uh, Alex? I think it works like this. 
these publishers will, who manage to get through this vetting process will receive very generous payroll rebates. It comes to millions of dollars. And then perhaps there will be a scenario where a deputy minister calls up a publisher and says, you know, I have some questions about your coverage of the minister's sister-in-law's impaired driving trial. By the way, it's grant renewal time. That's where they are. It's a disaster. It is indeed. Good stuff that you guys dig it up, Tom. I appreciate your time. Thank you, Alex. That is Tom Korski, managing editor of Blacklocks Reporting. Of course, they get their funding through subscription. There you go. When we come back, we're going to dive into the We Charity and another stinking pile of questions arising from that. That's coming up next here on Point on Global News Radio.